Hello, everyone. Welcome to Claimed. On this episode, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Antia Boyd, and I'm super excited to have her here today because it is rare that I interview someone who is basically in my field. I know Antia is, um, I guess it's fair to say you are a dating and relationships coach, and I don't interview a lot of these, a lot of us. So welcome, Antia. I'm super happy to have you with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, great. Welcome. So what we're going to start with is some icebreaker questions. I told you before this call, I used to do this a lot. And then, I don't know, I think I got tired of interviewing people per se and um, was focused more on releasing my own content. But recently, I've been kind of reignited to connect and to invite people over to my podcast. So let's start with some icebreaker questions before I give you a chance to introduce yourself. So Anya, what is uh, what is the last, last book that you read and uh, what did you think of it? Um, like, uh, I mean, I don't even know what the last one was, but like, I love the five personality patterns. I reread oh. that all the time. Um, and this is all about the five developmental stages that we go through as a baby, that if any interference happens in those five stages, there's relevant, like, um, so to say reflection as an adult, right? So for example, like you can't really set boundaries because you can't really be in your body, right? Like you're afraid to be in your body. You don't feel safe in your body. You know, that one is not getting your needs met and so on, right? So there's like all the different ones, like, you know, stepping into your power, you know, actually leading um, versus just being the follower and so on. So, yeah, so I love this uh, this book and I tell my clients to read it and, um, mm -hmm. yeah, really mm -hmm. relevant. Cool. So these are the five personality patterns, your guide to understanding yourself and others and developing emotional maturity by Stephen Kessler. That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing. The other question I have, Antia, for you is, uh, what is the best thing about being a woman? <laughs> it just reminds me of, uh, it's just like, I feel like juicy. This is the first thing that comes to mind, like having sort of like that juicy activation inside of ourselves. Like, I feel like we women have this unique way of like alchemizing our emotions in like such a way that's like so magnetic. Um, and like being, being, being the, on the receiving end of that as well. You know what I mean? Like receiving the man, like I just, I love being a woman, like being in all the different sort of colors of the rainbow and all the different flavors and all the different fragrances and then not knowing what emotion am I going to be in tomorrow? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> How does receiving, what does receiving mean for you? So you said being on the other end receiving, what does that mean for you and how does that feel? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been married for over eight and a half years now. And for me, for example, like my husband saying, you know, I'll, I'll take the lead on our Sunday plans, you know, like, okay, where we go? I don't know. So he'll find like an open house or he'll find like a hiking trail. Um, and also like receiving attention, like really feeling good when you receive attention, like feeling safe in your body when you receive attention, because right, like attention, it's like really something that's really sort of like a focused, like you're, like you're being sort of like honed in on to, so to say, right. And like, again, like saying, yes, I'm, I'm safe to receive that. And that's mm. what I'm going to be talking about today too. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing. One more question I have before I give you a chance to introduce yourself is what are you really into um, these days, Antia? Like if I were to ask you, let aside, you know, I know you're working with women and you have this amazing program and all of that but what are you really like on a personal side what occupies your mind a lot well i know you have a, you just well just i think you had a baby how old is uh, your baby seven nine months nine months yeah yeah mm -hmm. so that must be probably you know uh, taking a lot <laughs> yeah. of space in your mind but i'm curious yeah. well you, you can you totally. can talk about it on a professional level but also maybe on a personal level what is something that's on your mind that you're really focused on and you really think a lot about today well these days <clears throat> well i think actually one is um you know i was just sharing that with my girlfriends on friday but it's actually experiencing motherhood not as a sacrifice but rather sort of like as a as a pleasure 
powerhouse, right? And what I mean by that is that um, as a mother, we like get to watch the pleasure that our babies and like we just had lunch and like my baby is just like giggling and silly and all the things. And so I'm like, oh, wow, where where's that inside of myself? Like when I, have I done this the last time, right? Um, and also like feeling like more embodied and more grounded um, mm. as a mom. But it's like really bringing all of that together. And I always love to bust through myths, right? Through like common paradigms that are like, oh, you lose all the money. Now your life is over. Or now, you you know what I mean? It's like, no, how can we actually like shift that? You know, how can we find a new powerful reframe that you feel like excited, like for me to be now a mom or whatever, whatever it could be for someone else. You know what I mean? Like to get married, you know, for us, for men, it's sometimes like that whole myth about being married and being in a prison and all the things. It's like, okay, how can you reframe that? Right. Beautiful. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I definitely can relate with, to the motherhood, um, I guess this whole myth or paradigm that, you know, as soon as you become a mother, basically your life ends and, um, you know, it's the the sacrificial mother. Like I I never was um, a woman who subscribed to that. And so, yeah, in fact, I've grown so much and learned about myself so much more uh, since I had children. Yeah, you go through that turbulent zone, I guess, within the first year as you become a mother, but then hopefully things settle and you you know, you, you grow into that version of yourself. That's really, um, fully you as the woman and the mother and all of that. All right, Antia. So now is the time that you introduce yourself to us. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hey everyone. I'm Antia Boyd, founder and creator of the Magnetize Your Man Method. And I've been doing this for like about 10 years. I've spoken on over 100 stages worldwide and really helping women to stop attracting emotionally unavailable men, right? You know, actually step into your own power, set boundaries powerfully and without any guilt. And hello, ultimately attract the man of your dreams, right? That's, just, that's why we really hear that you actually feel like safe to be seen with, right? Like safe to be cherished by, right? And also um, safe to actually be all of who you are all of your emotions to be fully self-expressed. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, do you want to say anything about that? Anna? No, please continue. Move on. Okay. I mean, um, I, I have a lot to say about that, but I, yeah, wanna, yeah, I want you to yeah. finish your introduction. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And I think like the biggest piece is actually understanding why I'm so passionate about this, right? Like why I'm here 10 mm-hmm. years later, still talking about this is because I actually grew up, in an emotionally absent household. So I'm teaching now actually the opposite of what I experienced. You know, my mom was a narcissist and I always said like, um, hugs was common and uh, as Thanksgiving and Christmas falling on the same day, right? Like, or saying, I love you or anything like that, right? It was kind of like, uh, it was kind of like treated as like, it's too much, right? It was like, it was welcomed with eye rolling, with annoyance. And I remember I wanted to crawl into my mom's bed when I was about 18 months old. And uh, Anna and I, we both know what that means, um, how little that is. And my mom would just roll over and say, Stör mich nicht, which means in German, don't bother me. And so that was my core belief that I took into my life that then, of course, also translated into me attracting men into my life, who, guess what, made me feel like, don't bother me, you know, like your burden, you know. Like, I have better things to do. You're not a priority. And on the same token, though, unfortunately, I also developed a coping mechanism, making sure I don't need anyone, right? Like, making sure I become misindependent, right? Get a straight A student, and so on and so forth. However, when it came to dating, didn't really work in my favor because men were not, they were not looking for the high achiever woman. Right. They were actually looking for a woman that they can create a polarity with. And I know, Anna, you talk a ton about that. Um, so now you meet like the high achiever, like meeting with that fear of being vulnerable, the fear of being taken advantage of. So I was just a walking conflict. Right. And guess what you attracted to your life is your mirror. 
So I attracted walking conflicts, aka emotionally unavailable men, into my life. And what does that look like, you ask? Well, they made me all those promises only to drop me like a hot potato the next day, right? They're like, you know, like you are wife material. And then the next day, oh, I'm afraid of commitment. Or worst case, they would even ghost. But luckily for me, I know, you know, hello, I'm the common denominator. So I got myself out of Germany into UC Berkeley, studied personality psychology, studied attachment styles, because I don't know, it's like, a, it's such a German thing, right? But to understand things on an academic level, right? Like, what does that mean? Well, how can we research that? And so that's what I did. I'm like, how come that I have this, this relationship with my mom that doesn't work and I have this relationship with men that doesn't work. And so how's our connecting? And so that's when I also threw myself into other workshops, masculine, feminine dynamics, understanding men, all of those things, right? Like really understanding shadow work. I mean, you name it, I've done it. And in the process, it was really funny because I had lots of women come to me who always remembered that I went to this workshop last weekend. So they always ask, hey, what's the workshop last weekend? So I started to build like a little posse, like a little group, you know, build some sort of support group. But again, I wasn't marketing myself or anything because I didn't have anything to show for it. As a matter of fact, I forgot to mention this little detail, but I was single my entire life. I mean, I was just going from one first date to the next. Like my longest situationship was two and a half months. And so I get where you're at, girlfriend. Like if you feel like, oh, but aren't you don't understand me? Trust me. I know. I know all the Saturdays and the Fridays sitting at home. Right. So, so since I helped women, right, like in that support group to attract the right man, to walk down the aisle, to get engaged, I was invited to be the maid of honor, but it wasn't happening for me. That's when I realized, wait, look. A fish doesn't know that it's wet, something my husband always says. And what that means is you you can't really account for the things you don't know. And that's when I decided to hire um, a leader, a coach, a mentor in my field who said, hey, you know what? I know the blind spots. And what I found out about myself was that I was afraid to be vulnerable, go figure of a narcissistic mom. And I also had a ton of shame around setting boundaries because, of course, Coming from a narcissistic background, that makes a lot of sense. And so when I broke through that, I learned to trust myself and attracted my husband into my life that I already mentioned. And he told me the first night we met that I'm the girl of his story. And then, of course, he mm -hmm. continued to ask me out and proposed marriage to me eight months later. And so here we are. Mm. So you're, yeah, so sorry to interrupt. So your husband actually played um also a big role in this in fact i know that um you know you you both i don't know how that story came that you started both doing this together or he he was actually in this field as well because if we look at your uh, amazing youtube channel he, you know his videos are quite on the top there so i'm really curious <laughs> about how you know both of you are obviously teaching this now to women or maybe you're teaching this and he's behind the scenes i'm not sure about that like so 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 what's the role that he's playing in in all of this yeah so right now he's definitely more the strategist in the background but also of course based on the demand uh does like video content for our tiktok channel our youtube channel and all those uh social media platforms because he actually had his youtube channel first when we met I mean, he was like shooting three videos per day. And I always admired him for that because I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> and he just like, good enough. Let's upload it. I'm like, but babe, but you know. <laughs> so he had already 100,000 views on his YouTube channel by the time I I just met him. You know, I just kind of, you know, I met him at a spiritual discussion yeah. group. So yeah, he's always been passionate about personal development, helping men to step into their power um, and then learning a lot from me what what the women are struggling with you know and how he can help them what was the what was the group that you met him you said a uh, spiritual discussion group what was this discussion group about it was called new mind new reality and it was like just after like it was a spiritual center in hawaii where my husband and i met and they had like an afternoon sort of like workshop if you will i think once a month mm. and it was more like a meetup.com format uh where just anybody could come and you would just have discussions about spiritual principles, right? Just like law of attraction and things like that. 
um, you know, how come you attract that kind of person or, you know, um, and so, yeah, you would just have a discussion about your own experiences about that or books you read or just kind of philosophies you had. I thought it was more like a philosophy kind of <laughs> workshop. Nice. I love that story in Hawaii on a spiritual discussion. That's how I feel like women listening to this can picture themselves meeting their men at the, you know, in Hawaii at a spiritual discussion. Yeah. Meeting for sure. Okay. So from here on, what I'm curious about, Auntie, and you said this, you know, um, you mentioned before we started recording that the mother and father wound is, is like a big subject when it comes mm -hmm. to, um, and obviously, you know, I can see like in your story, this is very prevalent that you say you grew up with a narcissistic mother and this has been coming up actually for me and my clients. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that. What is the mother and father wound and, um, how do we as women heal that? And obviously here you can say how that, well, you already alluded to that where, you know, you said that, I mean, I don't even know. How do you remember? Because you said 18 months, right? So that's a year and a half. That's where my second daughter is at the moment. And I know that yeah. very rarely people actually have memories of that. Um, I mean, that's like, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. What, what kind of a, I don't want to say trauma, but what kind of an effect, you know, your mother basically rejecting or whatever might have had on you as a baby, as a little girl. So what I'm curious about, because you come at this from a, from an academic perspective, you know, psychology and you've studied all of this, which is really interesting. So tell us a little bit more about what is that, which you alluded already, but I guess a little bit more about this um, link between the mother and the father wound and how, especially, you know, growing up with narcissistic mother and how that leads to um, attracting emotionally unavailable men. And obviously then I'm going to ask you, like, how do we fix that? So totally, totally. So there's two aspects actually when you grow up with a narcissistic parent. And I think uh, the women that come to me understand usually just one. One is it's not safe to shine your light, right? So when mm -hmm. I become visible, when I gain confidence, when I get accolades, let's say you're, you know, you win a prize or, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, like that, that narcissistic mom is actually going to belittle it. She could even threaten you, right? She could even say, she could gaslight you and could say, oh, it's always about you. But the real intent is to bring the attention back to her, right? Like, okay, no, sorry, mom. I'm never going to talk about myself again. I'll always say, what about you? How do you feel about that? And so on, right? So there is sort of like this competition, right? Like that, that like narcissistic moms compete with their daughters, you know? And I hear stories all the time. I mean, my mom would like cut my hair short right? Like my mom would dress me in ways that are just absolutely hideous, right? That I would like never dress my daughter as. Um, and so it was always like this kind of like, how can I kind of minimize the visibility of my daughter, right? And then the other piece is actually is the invasion of like personal and emotional and energetic space, right? And what that means is it's kind of course go, um, very abusively. So it can even become like physical abuse, obviously, but it can also be just, you're just like that because you're my daughter. If you weren't my daughter, you wouldn't have gotten that A. You know what I mean? Like you got that role in the theater because you're my daughter. So there is this like this, this link, right? Like you're like, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you don't have your own individuality, but it's like highly uh, codependent. You're almost mm. just like an extension of your mom, so to say, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, Antje, does this, mm -hmm. is it the same dynamic when dealing with a narcissistic father or is it different? Yeah, so with a narcissistic father, it's definitely the second part is like more prominent. It's like more the invasion piece. Um, mm -hmm. so like, and usually the, uh, the narcissistic father is also using more like sort of like the extension. So that's usually more like the, oh, look at my daughter. You know what I mean? Like she's doing all those things. Um, she's like this gets all the accolades and she's like, you know what I mean? My be all end all. Um, but it really depends because it depends on, are you the golden child? Right. Or are you the black sheep? So it depends on what your parent, because depending on what other siblings you have, so it gets really complex. Um, because if you're the black sheep, then 
there's nothing you can do right, right? That like you, mm-hmm. that your dad or your mom would both mm-hmm. just shame you and belittle you, you know, and say like, you always embarrass the family, you know, like keep your mouth shut, you know, who do you think you are? But what I've seen so far from my clients is usually when it's the, the dad is usually more of like, uh, like an invasive slash abusive component to it. Yeah. And so how does that play? So I'm really curious about these two, you know, mother and father, because obviously like mm-hmm. these two figures as our parents, they play different roles and then we mm-hmm. take that into our life. And then this mm-hmm. is what, um, that, that, that this is what we see in terms of emotional unavailability with men or setting boundaries, blah, blah. So I'm curious about how does these two lines, I guess, you know, mother wound, let's say father wound, especially since we're talking about narcissists, how does that Mm -hmm. then play into what we attract as adult women in our, um, you know, emotional connection to men and and who we attract? Oh, absolutely. Right. So yeah, picture yourself on a date. Like if you're afraid to be seen and you're also afraid to be invaded, well, one thing you're going to do, you're going to dim your light. So you'll make fun of yourself. You belittle yourself, right? You're just going to say, it's, it's okay. Make fun of me. You know, um, you know, be, be like condescending to me, all those things. And then if I'm afraid to have my space be invaded, well, guess what? I'll keep you at an arm's length. And this could be energetically that I just, I just don't share myself emotionally, right? I'm just like, kind of, Oh, that was a nice date. Oh, cool. Okay. See you later. Right. There's something emotionally unavailable about me because I have this wall up. Yeah. Um, the other piece I forgot to mention is, um, the other, the other side of the coin, mother or father wound of the narcissist is please like me because with a narcissistic parent, you're never going to be like the way you want to be liked. So you think if I jump, through enough hoops, right? Then I get the attention from mom, right? You know, if I jump through enough hoops, then my dad stops being um, abusive and actually appreciates me for all of who I am versus who he wants me to be. Okay, so you've described that, um, you know, when we grow up with emotionally unavailable parents, whether it's narcissist or whatever, whatever, whatever the other dynamic is, then, well, particularly narcissists, I think you said, you know, there's these two things that, that are playing then when we are dating and trying to attract the men of our dreams is that, you know, we have this dynamic of afraid to be seen and therefore you dimming yourself or you're afraid to take up space or your space being invaded mm-hmm. and therefore you keep mm-hmm. them at arm's length and, and the wall is up, right? And so there's this whole idea, the, the idea is also that, not the idea, but I guess the concept or the dynamic that's playing out in the background is that please like me and this fear that you're never going to be liked and, and this is what we're seeing in men. So uh, before we continue, I'm curious, Antia, how do you describe or what is your definition of emotional and unavailability? So like when women say, I'm attracting emotionally unavailable men. What does that mean? Um, well, to me, actually, it means it's a conflicted man. It actually means like on the one hand, uh, the man wants to have the relationship or wants to have the commitment or wants to have the connection, right? Of course he does. But then there's this other part that's like debilitatingly afraid, like terrified, right? Panicked like has such a negative association mm. with closeness that it, it's like almost hurts them. The thought of like getting closer or the thought to share something emotional with a woman, but then stay close. So it's not about like, because women would tell you, but Anna, like he shared this like deep secret with me or he did this big thing with, right? But then like, by what matters, what did he do afterwards? Did he feel the need to pull back? Right. Mm-hmm. Did he feel he needs to take a week break, meaning like he can't keep the emotional and physical closeness at the same time? Mm-hmm. Like ahead. one has to break. Does yeah. that make sense? So that to yes. me is uh, emotionally unavailable. 
Mm-hmm. So it's almost like so. I, I I really like this idea of a conflict because at the at one at one at the same time you want to be close to a man or a man wants to be close to a woman because you know we all crave we are humans we want connection we want love we Correct. want to be together intimacy all of that. Correct. However, Correct. there's this other side at the same time. That's why there's a conflict of him being pulled away, running away, not able to actually be intimate or hold attention or whatever that means. And so correct. Because men are our mirrors, and I also teach the same concept of men are our mirrors, then um I, I I assume, and I know you probably well, you you agree with me that the work then needs to be internal because when we change internally, when we ourselves as women, as you mentioned, the common denominator, right? It's not the the location that you're in. You know, women always complain that, oh, it's the New York City dating uh, dynamic, right? Oh, it's the LA, or oh, I need to move, move locations, or, you know, it's the children, it's no children, it's my age, it's my skin, it's my weight, you know, it's the dating app. So women always come up with all these external <laughs> excuses where, in fact, that's not true. It's you because there's women in New York and LA that have found their men of the dreams. There's women with four children, Correct. my clients, uh, there's women with no children, women who are like, you know, it's a story that women tell themselves, right? So through the mirror principle, then um, we need to change ourselves internally. This is what my work is all about. This is what your work is all about. And so I'm curious, Santia, how do you work with women? And like, what does the process look like when you understand? So first there's this awareness like, oh, shit, I'm the common denominator. I need to fix my emotional unavailability. It's not the man, it's me. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's actually this realization comes to women. And I'm sure this is a lot of your clients because there's a lot of my clients that it comes to them after years of being in these dynamics and actually developing these, noticing these patterns with men. They're like, hang on a second. What the hell is going on? Right. Because, and I totally understand, mm-hmm. right. Like, you know, cause you and I, we're professionally doing this, but a regular woman, she's just dating. You know, she's sitting, seeing one man, then another man. You know, things don't work with this one. It's a different story with another one, yada, yada. And then it's like they come to the age of 35, for example, or maybe even earlier, they realize, oh, shit, the clock is ticking. I'm not getting any younger. I want a family. And this is when they start to get really serious and then look back and say, oh, my God, okay, what's happening here? I need help. And so... Once they realize that, okay, I'm attracting emotionally unavailable men, maybe they listen to our conversation and they're like, oh, shit, yes, I am emotionally unavailable. What does that process look like of, quote, unquote, healing or reframing or whatever? Is it going back to the mother and father wound? I know you mentioned boundaries. So how would you summarize this process or I guess your unique your unique methodology? Because when you talk and I look at what I'm doing, it's completely different. We're doing the same thing. But it's totally different. And I know I'll be on your podcast as well where we totally talk different. about that. So I'm curious, what is that yeah, process totally. for you and how you work with clients in that reframing or I guess totally transforming? Right. And uh, I mentioned also the five personality patterns in the beginning, right? So I would say I really work in a trifecta of shadow work and I'll tell you what that is, right? Then the attachment styles, understanding, dismissive avoidant versus anxious avoidant, anxious ambivalent, all the places. Um, and then also understanding mother, father wound, right? The five developmental stages. So, um, and so in this particular case, what you were bringing is like really looking at, okay, so I track emotionally unavailable men. So if I, so I said before that that means the man is conflicted. So then if I say, okay, if I'm the mirror image of a conflicted man and where am I conflicted inside of myself, right? So we're just reverse engineering. That makes sense. And so then you'd be like, you know, of course, I want to have the relationship, but on the other hand, this is part that's afraid of it. Why? You know, what? why are you afraid to get hurt again, right? So then, of course, we can go into, well, because my mom belittled me, you know, like I didn't get the attention from my dad, right? He was always traveling, right? I never want to feel that powerless and helpless ever again when my dad walked out and never came back. My parents got a divorce or uh, even deaf, you know, uh, prematurely uh, knocked on the door, right? So that's that piece. But I think the one that you can get the fastest transformation, because I was like, what's like, what's the fast path, right? Like, I don't know about you. I don't know. Some people like to spend more time. It's actually looking like, well, what's my shadow, right? Meaning, where am I ghosting? So like a lot of women that come to me, they have guys sort of ghost on them, right? It's like, where am I ghosting on myself? Like, so which emotion 
inside of myself do I judge, right? And so um, for me, it was actually like both. <laughs> I don't know for better or worse. So I was like, I'm definitely not going to cry because I learned from my mom, like I am rolling and that's annoying and that's useless and um, all the things, right? So I didn't want to be called weak or, you know, all of that, right? Or drama queen. And then anger, my dad had anger issues. So I'm like, I definitely don't want to be like my dad, right? Like, you know, he was always like verbally abusive. And I'm like, I have more self-control, you know, like I'm more together. So great. So now I actually have not only one, but two emotions suppressed inside mm -hmm. of myself. Because guess what? What you judge inside of yourself, you suppress. I guarantee you there's barely that you, that you express emotion that you judge. Or you express the emotion, but you immediately backpedal, right? So what that would look like in a relationship or in a dating dynamic is, let's say you set your boundaries, maybe you get angry, but then you immediately text your partner, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. Like, I'm sorry, you know? So you stepped into your power and then you immediately told the man, don't take me too seriously, right? Like, this just happens sporadically. You know, I just explode. Mm -hmm. And then it's almost like a disowning of who you are, but it's part of who you are. It's part of your fire, it's part of your power, it's part of your embodiment. Hey girlfriend, before we continue with this episode, I wanted to jump in real quick and share an important message for you. There's a lot of advice out there about dating and relationships. Books, experts, and gurus, and even your granny has a surefire way to succeed in love. And most of it is complete BS. Well, maybe not so much granny's advice. As you may or may not know, I run a transformational 10-week group coaching program called Claim, just like the podcast, that has helped hundreds of women around the world completely change their dating reality with men, where they go from being frustrated and burnt out to actually enjoying dating and starting to attract some amazing men, men who stand strong in their masculinity, who are confident, who court and pursue you and plan and organize and pay for dates, but who are also emotionally available and are ready and willing and again available for a relationship with you and I've developed this program with one thing in mind that you already have everything you need to attract the man in the relationship of your dreams you don't need to change who you are you are not broken you just need to make a few key shifts and they all start from the inside if you're ready to feel that kind of excitement ease and joy in dating and relationships that so many of my clients have experienced and me myself as you know I have attracted my masculine men and now have a family with him I have an invitation for you Work with me and my team to get on the fast track so you can start seeing big changes in your life ASAP. Go to claim.com slash apply to sign up for your free, no catch discovery call or short interview with a member of my team. This will be your chance to experience our approach firsthand and to ask any personal questions you might have about the program and whether this is a good fit for you. It's also going to be our chance to see if we would be a good fit for you because we're not in this and I'm not in this for a quick buck and we don't work just with anyone. We're committed to your success and we want to make sure we can help you to achieve it. The good news is that dating and relationships doesn't have to be this hard. So if you don't want to wait around any longer wondering where are all the good men, if you need an urgent change and are open to receiving personalized help and guidance and want to invest in yourself, then apply for this no catch. There's nothing that you need to give us. It's just a free discovery call for you so you can see whether this is a good fit for you and so they can work on this together. So go to claimed.com slash apply. This will take you to a calendar where you can book your call, answer some short questions, and then we shall see you on the other side. All right, now back to the episode. Right, but then you're like, oh, oh wait, actually, let me water that down, right? And then the man is like, wait a minute, what? Like, I'm so confused because I kind of, I kind of felt like you left sort of a tattoo and an imprint inside of me and it kind of shook me and it kind of, you know, did something. But then you're like, oh, just kidding. You're like, wait, wait, what? Can I trust you? Right? So the man is like getting confused. Like, it's like, who are you? Wait, did you just, was this just an act? Like, who's what, right? Or wait, did I just make this up? Right? So let's say you're on a first date and obviously you're not going to become a rage monster on a first date, hopefully. Uh, maybe yelling at the waiter <laughs> for bringing the wrong... Uh, <laughs> the wrong yeah. entree right hopefully not um but the man will say right if you let's say laugh when something was actually sad because you're like well obviously i can cry right now because that would be embarrassing and then he would think i'm like too much you know it's like too heavy and so let's say you laugh 
then the man is going to say, wait a minute, I just felt this imprint inside of myself of like sadness. I felt like there was like this movement. There was a change of emotion inside of me. I don't know exactly what it was, but, but then you laughed. So did I just make this up? Right? Like, or, or can I not trust you? Or do you mm -hmm. not like me? You're not actually showing me who you really are. So in any case, now the man is confused. And so guess what? The man who is already confused inside of himself would say, oh, perfect. That's a perfect match. Because I'm also confused. You're confused. You're Everybody's home. confused. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that's the emotionally unavailable man, right? But if mm -hmm. you have a date with emotionally available man, available man so he's a congruent he's aligned he's in his power he's in his king integrity we call it right and then you pull this where you're like laugh and something is not funny he's like he's gonna get a little hesitant he's gonna be a little like the confused mind says no right he's like pretty that was lovely I'll, I'll talk to you later right like just there's something where he's gonna like distance himself for a moment and then of course we all know life gets in the way he meets another woman who is more herself, who is more congruent, who is more aligned, gets more of his attention, right? He won't go back to this, this part where I don't know who this person is. And so just to clarify, Antia, yes. this incongruence or confusion or conflict, it all stems mm -hmm. from the, the, I guess, the um, dynamics that you learned as a little right. girl in your family from mother, father. And right. when there is that incongruency, like going back to what you said, afraid to be seen, dim your light, afraid to your space being invaded, please like me. So all of these dynamics are playing in the background. And that's why, for example, when he says something sad or that the moment requires or it's the most appropriate emotion is to, you know, well, not necessarily cry, let's say, but feel sadness and be right. in this moment of empathy and maybe even tears or feel anger because, you know, but because we judge these emotions based on the past dynamics that were happening, like these defense mechanisms playing, we're not able to be in that congruence and be sad when it's sad or be angry when it, when you're supposed to be Correct. angry. Instead, we judge these emotions, we suppress them, and therefore there's this conflict or confusion that creates in our bodies and a congruent man who all of the women want to be with that emotionally available man who's standing strong in his masculine and is aligned he then will obviously recognize it and that's not going to be he doesn't want to be with a woman like that and then he will distance himself and say oh, and say you know whether okay thank you it doesn't work or we're not a match or sometimes ghost you but i feel like the ghosting is not really applicable to but you know sometimes he just gets busy and i don't know who knows what he might have thought of that crazy first date when he said something said and you were laughing at it you know i mean yeah, yeah. my husband yeah. says uh my husband well not my husband one of my husband's friend friend i'm going to share this with you i think you're gonna find it funny he said one of his friends said that, uh, said this phrase, which I found hilarious, might be warning, might be uh, insulting to some women, but I know if you listen to my podcast, you're okay with it. He says, don't, don't put your dick in crazy, um, which is, you know, which, which is quite sometimes can be offensive to women. But anyways, I'm not here to be politically correct, but, you know, men have this fear of like, holy shit, crazy woman. Like, don't put your dick in crazy because if that happens, then your life is ruined and so on and so forth. So uh, am I getting this right in terms of these dynamics that are happening? Correct. Yeah. So I call it like, is she a ticking time bomb? So that's like, you're crazy. Like, is she going to freak um, out, explode, like be hysteric at some point? What's behind that laughter when it wasn't funny? Right? Like, what, what is that an indication of? Mm -hmm. I don't want to find that out. Mm -hmm. that's what the man is saying right like no i'm not willing to take that risk i just had a date with her right like i'm out of here there's other women less risk you know what i mean right, right. <laughs> i don't i don't need to be dealing with that there's this yeah. much happening going on okay right. so uh yeah okay well what, what do we do about that well so first off it's actually developing a positive association to the emotion that you suppress right so if you were like you know what um, and I remember when my friend said, well, you need to own your anger. And I'm like, what anger? You had a, you had a raging dad, like you have anger inside of yourself. I'm like, I don't, I don't, because it's silly. 
You know what I mean? So I started with hitting my pillow with a cooking spoon, right? So everybody has a cooking spoon. Don't tell me you don't have any utensils in the house. And so is, that, is that what you recommend <laughs> women do when they yeah. start working with you? Yeah, because you know what? Like I did it and I felt stupid. I felt like this is, this is nuts, right? But what happens is your body has a cellular memory, right? So the body's saying, wait, somewhere inside of myself, I'm recognizing something. Mm-hmm. So even though it was like dormant, it's not dead, it's dormant. So by you doing that exercise of like hitting something or maybe even like saying, screw you or like just something like that, right? Like even if you do it five times and you feel like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. I remember my girlfriend walked me through it. I'm like, this is stupid. It's not going to do anything like this is ridiculous. But out of the sudden, I could access anger after a couple of weeks, right? I started to become more than just frustrated, right? I started to actually use my voice. Um, and I would say like, what's so great about that is that's actually taking your power back, right? So what I, that's where we go back to the mother and father wound where I say, so imagine yourself in anger, right? So let's say your mom said, um, story from my client, you know, came home from preschool, I think, and she got hit by, you know, another kid. And then the mom's like, it was your fault. Like you got hit because it's your fault. Typical statement of a narcissistic mother, right? And like, I'm like, I want you to use your anger and like yell in her face, push her out of your, out of your space, right? And like telling her like, no, this child hit me. Because what the narcissist does, it tries to confuse where anyone, right? Like the partner, if you're dating a narcissist, the child, if it's your parent, and say, what you just experienced is not reality. Mm-hmm. I tell you what reality is. And what I tell my women is like, use that anger to claim back your reality and say, I got hit in the face, right? Or you came home from work drunk or whatever it is, right? But like, just actually hold that parent accountable. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's so, how you can use the rage for, the anger for. Mm, Any questions about positive, that? No, yeah. it's clear. So developing a positive association to the emotion you suppress. And it's really interesting as you talk about this, Auntie. I actually do the same exact thing. I just don't do it in this way. I do it through embodiment um you know, tools and techniques and coaching, things like that. But it's exactly the same thing. And it's exactly what I do with women because what I find is that most, if not all women who, who, you know, choose to work with me really are are disembodied, are completely numb to what's happening inside. And they're so terrified of what they're going to find out that it's it's, um, easier to and more comfortable and more convenient to numb than to go and feel. And so essentially I tell all of my women that in the work that I'm doing, we're just learning how to feel. And it's I find it so interesting that this whole thing about dating and relationships is really really comes down to this thing of learning how to feel. I just Absolutely. find it really fascinating, you know, that you know, you'd think that this has to do with texting guides and I don't know what to say and, you know, I should be more feminine, whatever, you know, whatever the women are searching for. <laughs> yeah. It really comes down and boils down to, I mean, of course, there's things we need, whatever, really comes down to um, learning how to feel, you know, for, as a first step. And if we just mm-hmm. learn how to do that, then automatically we like reframe a lot of the patterns that we've learned in terms of, what to feel, how to feel, what to feel, what not to feel. You know, I remember my client, she was, we're also doing this work and she was telling me that, you know, my mother always told me feeling is not safe. Like feelings, Mm -hmm. disregard your feelings, disregard Mm -hmm. your feelings, don't follow them. They're not safe, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Okay. So are there any other steps um, after this or basically that, that, that that's it? Yeah, I mean, just another example before we go into the next one, because there's basically two emotions. There's one, I call it like an inflating emotion, or you could call it like an offensive Mm -hmm. emotion, which in this case is, of course, anger, right? Because you're not just going to, if you're in a room and you just start screaming or you scream someone in the face. um, But if like somebody like tells me an example, like let's say 
well, I'm not like I'm not gonna just throw a temper tantrum like an uncontrollable toddler. Oh, that's great. That's exactly what we're gonna do now. We're gonna throw a temper tantrum, right? So exactly what they're afraid of. That's what we're gonna do. So how and do you actually, do that? Like, do you tell them? Like, do they do this with you on a coaching call? Or yeah, how do, yeah. How do they do it? Yeah, I literally have them like stomp on the ground. I have a video also recorded. They can watch that ahead of time mm -hmm. where I was literally showing them that like full body temper tantrum with my arms, with my head, like just completely, you know, when you watch a toddler, have a, have, mm -hmm. have a meltdown in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, is the idea to do that every time we feel anger or this inflating emotion or right, like how, right, do you, yep. how do you think mm -hmm. about that? Yeah, exactly. So whether whether it's at, say it's at work, you go into the car, like, for example, I would, you know, like I would be in, a, in the car with my husband, I'd be like, can you just get out of the car for a second? And I'm just need to or you can stay in the car and I leave the car. Um, but yeah. just moving the energy through and it's actually going fast, right? Because you take story out of it. And you take any images out of it. So you're really just focusing on the emotion itself, right? So that's the offensive emotion, or you could call it, uh, you know, the invasive emotion or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then there's the other emotion that's the collapsing, and that's the sadness, right? Where people like learned, I'm the adult, right? Like, I'm not going to collapse. I'm not going to just, no, it's not going to happen, right? I'm not going to have everything fall apart. But that's exactly what they need to learn, right? And here's the most, the biggest reason why women don't do that is actually because they think they will never stop. That's what I hear a woman say when I say, Auntie, if I, if I start, I'll never stop crying. I'll never stop, right? And it, I know it feels this way, but again, you only do that if you loop in stories, if you loop in images, right? If you feed your unconscious, but if you focus simply on the sadness. I mean, when I started doing this work, I was crying and all of a sudden the image was coming in and I was crying like, I don't know, maybe a one-year-old baby, right? I'm just, but consciously like on the floor. And then my husband came in and he's like, oh, okay, you're just doing your work. Okay, got it. I mean, imagine that kind of life, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like okay i just want to check on you okay all good i don't know if my <laughs> husband's gonna react like that i mean you guys obviously are doing this coaching thing so i guess if he sees you like screaming into the steering wheel or like crying like, yeah. Oh, yeah you're just doing your work babe let me know when you finish right. so we right. can go for dinner <laughs> yeah or like he'll, he'll hold space but he'll be like is that everything come on there's more so he'll he'll like um encourage yeah. me to be like there's more come on i don't buy it but that's the collapse. So that's for the woman who always had to be the adult, you know, who always has to be put together, who always has to be the the leader, right? And who never could say, I actually don't know. I'm helpless. I'm powerless. I have no clue, right? Yeah. Like that person, because that's that's the woman who has like the hardest time creating polarity with a man. That's a woman in her masculine, as as, as I call it. Who's yeah, always, exactly. you know, doing everything, paying the bills, being in her head, leading, totally. like she has to have everything under control and she can't let go of control because she feels Correct. like if she does, everything's just going to fall apart and collapse and everything. So, and a lot Correct. of the times that kind of a woman is attracting a man who would just follow her, you know, she'd tell him what to do and he'd just be okay with it, sit on the couch, you know, let her make the money, like whatever. So, yeah. Um, okay, cool. How many other steps we got or how many other, um, yeah. So now what, I just want to tell you what, yeah, what, what's the consequence? So now I express my emotions, right? Now, of course, I teach my women to also let them know that it's safe. So we'll do some visualizations around it as well, right? Uh, for example, that the man like says, like, I applaud this or, you know what I mean? I love this or so we're linking it to a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And then let's say this same woman is on a date again. First date, right? And something is sad, but what is she doing instead? She's like, oh, I feel sad. But I, I can stay with the sadness. There may be like tension inside of myself because I feel the sadness, right? But now I'm like, that's me. That's why I am right now, right? Or, mm. oh, I, I, yes, I want those hugs and kisses, right? So when I was dating, um, you know, I was dating this guy and he was like telling me, um, I hug too much. 
right? But because I had already worked through, that's like the the, the other t- part of the trifecta, which is the anxiety, right? The neediness. And that's also what I transformed where I said, this is a great thing, being needy. Because in that moment when he said, you hug too much or you kiss too much or you're whatever, and a man doesn't even have to say that, a woman can just make that up in her head when she's on a date. Oh, if mm-hmm. I say this, then he's going to think I'm too complicated. Or if I, you know, if I ask for dessert, then he's going to think I'm a high maintenance. Or if I, you know, fill in the blank, then he thinks this and that and the other, right? But if you can just, what I call, advocate for yourself, like you're in court, you're advocating for yourself, right? <laughs> and then and then I just told the, the guy, right? Like, I'm like, as if he like just told me that I have blonde hair, right? Like I, I, yeah, I want tax kisses. That's it. You know what I mean? I don't know what else to say. I mean, what would you say if somebody says you have blonde hair? Thanks for stating the obvious, I guess. Um, and then he's like, oh no, just kidding. Just kidding. It's, it's, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And of course he pursued me and called me, left me voice messages, all the things, right? Um, because he was coming from incongruency, but I was coming from full integrity, like because I had those needs and I was saying that I had those needs. I was not denying it, right? But what women are afraid of is that like, oh, auntie, if I do that, the guy's going to run. But that's actually not true. Men are actually going to be more magnetized because they're like, oh, no, no, I love it. It Mm -hmm. came more from my own fear of intimacy that I made that Mm -hmm. statement that you hug too much but actually it's very healing for me that's not what they're going to say right Mm -hmm. but it's very healing for me for you to actually own your emotions and here we are coming full circle right Mm -hmm. when my husband saw me go into my anger he was always just kind of like not really getting angry just kind of like maybe frustrated at the most right maybe just annoyed even but when he saw me do that on a regular basis it gave him permission to ask himself, like, where is there maybe suppressed anger inside of myself? I don't know. Let's see. And then eventually he got to express his own anger as well and develop the deeper sense of self-trust inside mm. of his own body. And on and on it goes, right? But you can just create the most juicy, authentic, transparent, uh, you know, growth-oriented relationship of your dreams where you just keep discovering each other Mm. because in a way you keep discovering yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that process. And obviously like there's so many layers to this, but essentially that that's what it is. Like we, I can see how this work is reframing and rewiring whatever that wiring was before whatever we've mm-hmm. learned so we're rewiring and i love that you said that we're also giving men permission to then because that's how it works you know we're always mirroring each other right so when we come into congruence then we attract or we see men change to, so it only takes my belief is that it only takes one side the man or the woman to start doing the work um yeah. for the work to actually <laughs> work right so right. i'm curious i guess my last question antia um because you know we've been here a little <laughs> bit um my, my question is antia and i had some tef- technical difficulties <laughs> quite a bit in this interview and i was like oh my god are we ever going to finish this but we are <laughs> Because, you know, you know, my, my work is all about polarity, feminine and masculine polarity. And we actually had a discussion with you um, about this subject where, well, I'm not sure if I can disclose this, but I think you'll be okay with it, knowing you a little bit now, um, where you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the stuff out there today about dating dynamics and advice and everything is actually not rooted in polarity. Um, and I want to ask you about this, how – how and especially because you have a, a, an academic background um how do you still see polarity playing today especially in this current climate of you know non-binary stuff and transgender and we're all on the spectrum and all of that stuff that's why i get a lot of um kind of pushback um 
you know, from women and men and whatever who just don't understand the message, don't have enough knowledge information. I mean, to me, it's like this is biology and evolutionary psychology. What are you, what are you, like, stop, you all are living in this fantasy of I don't know what. But anyways, I just want to hear from your perspective how does polarity come into this, into relationship dynamics, dating dynamics, and whether you're teaching this to women. And also maybe you can talk about the current climate of what's happening. Um, and, and yeah, I just want to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so one thing I always tell my women, right. It's like, you know, you can go and approach a man, you know what I mean? Like go, go do it. And, you know, and then of course the men that we interviewed said like, oh yeah, no, I would love it. And then, uh, what, how would you feel like 24 hours later? I don't know, for some reason I would be like, not interested anymore. It just would lose I don't know. So they would bring examples, right? Where the woman was approaching them and first it was great. And, but then they lost interest and they didn't know why they didn't want to lose interest the men. Right. But they're just like, and my philosophy is that for men to approach a woman, he has to like break through his evolutionary fear of rejection. Cause if you got rejected and you got ostracized from your tribe and all the things, right, you're done, you're toast. Or if you got rejected by the wrong one, if you approached, uh, you know what I mean? Like one of the, uh, the main females that are, you know, associated to, you know, the, the leader of the tribe and you didn't know that, right. Also off with your head. Right. So the man has to kind of like almost uh, die like a little, like a little death every single time. They approach a woman because they don't know what they got. Evolutionary speaking, it's in their cells, right? So when they do that, that means they need to have developed enough momentum uh, slash motivation to approach her. There needs to be enough of a reason, right? And the reason why I say that is because when they approach, then it actually lasts. I mean, of course, assuming that they, you know what I mean? Meaning they continue to approach the woman. You know, my husband... He approached me, right? Like I didn't approach my husband. I didn't tell my husband that he's the man of my dreams. He told me that I'm the woman of his story. You know what I mean? And then I still had to <clears throat> reorganize my nervous system to believe that that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, so um, there is this like wild part inside of us. That's like this primal part that I don't think will ever go away. You know what I mean? That's like, and, and the same with um, with women. They're like drawn to a certain man who can't take charge. Like where they naturally start relaxing, right? Like, okay, you know, there's, well, you know, he's not the most uh, masculine. You know, I was just going to the dating panel like last year and um, the guy's like so feminine, like, like a musician, really feminine. And she's like, go get her, like nurse, all the things, total badass. Right. And she's like, yeah, I proposed to him, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I think what we're getting to is just seeing, because I see the dynamic play out, you know, I see them sometimes at church and things like that. Um, it's just like, okay, like, do you want to have this kind of relationship? Right. Because like, so I want you to actually watch the couples that tell you or like whatever the coaches that tell you or whatever, you know, um, approach the woman, um, you know, approach the man. Right. And then the other pieces that I always tell my women is, sure, you can approach the man. But the problem is you're setting a dynamic. Mm -hmm. So if you're approaching a man and he loves this, then you get to continue to approach him. You get to continue to pursue him. Right. And then you start to wither away because how are you going to feel cherished? Wait, how do you, do you feel desired? If you're like, oh, let me call Mark. So I have the plans for today and he can't wait to hear all about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like really that, that turns you on, like to have the man like receive everything, you know, if that's you by means, by all means, go for it. But I can just tell you the women that come to me, they want a man where they feel supported right? They want to have a man who can take charge, who can make decisions, mm -hmm. who doesn't mind driving the extra mile because my women have been doing this their whole life. So mm -hmm. I always say if you were just to receive for the rest of your life, you would be probably just about even, you know what I mean? <laughs> you would just be about right. um, equally balanced, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's like my, 
my personal opinion. And yeah, you know what that takes? It's like, I get it. You have to be let go, wanting to be right, which a lot of women don't want to do. You know, they have to be willing to let go of control, which a lot of women don't want to do. You know, they're, they're sort of like the uh, the the cool well, pilot. They're, they're starting to realize that they actually are willing to do that if that means, you know, their clock is, especially for the women where the clock is ticking and everything, they're willing to do everything. And when they actually realize that not only this is going to help them attract the, the men that they want to be with, but it actually feels freaking amazing to not be in control all the time and yeah. to surrender and relax yeah. and let go. It's right. like, oh my God, I, you know, I, the women I work with, it's like, I haven't dated before, you know, where have all these men been? It feels amazing to be approached by a man, picked up by a man, all the dinner plans organized. I just show up and, and just be, you know, like, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, it's just, I find it so interesting that, the, I mean, this is why I started this work because I saw that the more successful women become the the less happy they are in in their mm -hmm. dynamics in relationships and that's how why I mean my work is all about polarities you know so I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that you know we and we connected on this point because you're right if you start that that's why I always tell the women you know the secret to long-lasting success in marriage and a, and an amazing dynamic with a man for me personally it's in polarity I mean I'm still you know my husband and I married five and a half years. I know you're a little bit longer. I mean, we've had two children in the process, but um, I'm still attracted to string, you know, my husband, like I was um, seven years ago when we met and our sex keeps getting better. In fact, like, I don't know what happened two days ago. Both of us were like, next morning, we're like, what was that? You know, and we, and we have two kids and we run a business together. And so I know you love busting through these myths, but you know, I always had this idea, oh shit, you know, as soon as the kids arrive, as soon as you get married, kids arrive, it's like, forget it, forget about sex, forget about attraction. And I'm like, yeah, no, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, we can have the kids and we can enjoy our kids and we can also still be attracted to each other. So anyways, and, and, I think that the secret to actually doing this right and having, you know, being lovers in a, a dynamic, you know, a lot of people say it's friendship, whatever. Yeah, it's friendship after his dick is not working and you're like totally not for it. Maybe when you're 60 or something, then it becomes friendship. <laughs> but until then, you can have an amazing polarity dynamic with your man and attraction, amazing sex and everything. But it starts right from the beginning. It's really hard because, you know, I have... Some women who join my program work with me who are already in relationships, and perhaps you have clients like this. It's harder, not necessarily impossible, but harder to change the dynamic once you're in it because you're dealing with another person. But if you start all of this right from the beginning, right, with men, allowing men to approach, being open to approach, well, I teach dating men, many men at a time. I don't know if you teach that. Maybe you'd ask me this about on your podcast. Like all of these things, allowing the men to come, allowing them to compete and pursue you. So if you establish this right from the beginning, guess what? He's going to be the one proposing. He's going to be asking you if you want to be in a relationship with him. He's going to be ask proposing you and he's going to be leading the whole way. So make sure you said this right from the beginning. And I love that we're aligned on that part. Anything else you want to add to that, Antia? Did yeah, and this, you know, I think what you really uh, touched on too indirectly is just really this transformational aspect, right? Like you have to be willing to really transform, to not just see it as sort of like a gimmick, like I'm learning those quick tips mm -hmm. on uh, what to say to a man. Because look, you can say the right thing with the wrong energy. And I used to do this all the time. I'm like, why is this not working? You know what I mean? Like my friend did the same thing. My wife was like, three guys lined up. Yeah, you know what I mean? long term, no. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, well, because they can sense it's a gimmick. Something is off. Something feels like a script. Something feels disassociated. Um, and again, you know, the confused mind says no, right? So mm -hmm. it's really like this whole um, internal transformation, like willing to step outside of your comfort zone and really saying, you know, maybe there's something beyond what I have known. And I don't even know how much I could enjoy when a man 
takes care of everything, let's say. You know what I mean? That's I know. That's like, oh, it's all order. What you said, what just happened two days ago, right? It's something you didn't know that you didn't know. And so that's what I'm excited about, right? It's this whole transformational aspect and like stepping into all of the parts inside of yourself and encouraging a partner to step all of the into all of the parts of himself that were hidden or suppressed or distorted. And you get to be all of who you are. And you and it keeps it keeps unfolding. Yeah. It keeps unfolding bit by bit. Yeah. For sure. Oh, this was such a great conversation, despite the te technical difficulties. Antia, thanks so much for <laughs> coming on board. Love the work that you're doing. Obviously, we're doing, you know, helping women with the same result, doing it in a, in a different way and, you know, each to each to their own or what's that phrase? Mm -hmm. And so for everyone who, I know you have a great YouTube channel. Like I look at your YouTube channel, you always talk about the, you know, the things you need to do here or here, here, here. So tell women where, where can they find more about your work if they want to follow you? Yeah. So like the YouTube channel, Magnetize Your Man with Antje Brody. Um, but also if you want to take our free quiz at mymquiz.com, and if you feel like, man, the man is pulling away, I feel like I'm doing the right thing, but I get the empty promises and there is no follow through and I don't know what to do. I don't know what's wrong. You know what I mean? Like my friends always say I'm a catch and they don't know um, what's wrong with the guys. Like that's, that's going to be a really great place for you to start. Or if you have men who constantly ghost on you, disappear, and they were just about to give you the keys to the house. <laughs> right. Like if that's you, you know, I mean, I just heard that story last week. I mean, just the crazy stories. Right. Like, uh, so if that's you, mymquiz.com. So what is, is your... this quiz going to gonna give me? I'm just going um, to this right now. Yeah. So it's going to create more clarity for you. It's for the understanding exactly like what it is for you that you desire. Maybe that you were hiding that you desire. Um, but also what are the challenges that you have as well that are getting in the way. Mm -hmm. And definitely we're looking at the emotional association that you may not even, right. like we just talked about that, right? How you suppress that inside of yourself. Yeah, got it. Well, thanks so really much, gives you, uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the last piece, just like you get some customized gifts um, at the end of the quiz based on uh, what you respond. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming, Antia. And thanks for your patience with all the <laughs> technical stuff we, we had. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me, Anna. I had so much fun. All right, beautiful woman. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please, please leave a review. This is super helpful for me, for the podcast. And this is a time to give back, to leave a review, share this episode with your girlfriend who really wants to hear it. And you can also find me on Medium and YouTube at Anna Rova, where I share pretty much very similar content and where we change the world one embodied woman at a time. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for being here with me today.